Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer, and we're the co-authors of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Deb Delisle, President and CEO of the Alliance for Excellent Education, a Washington, D.C.-based policy, practice, and advocacy organization. The Alliance, better known as All for Ed, works to ensure that all students, particularly those who've been traditionally underserved, graduate from high school ready for college, work, and citizenship. Deb, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Deb, thank you for being here. You're amazing, and you're no stranger to our nation's capital. Before you came to All for Ed, you led the Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development, or ASCD. You've been an assistant secretary of elementary and secondary education. You've been a superintendent, a principal, a teacher. So tell us, how do you draw upon those amazing experiences to help you navigate Washington, D.C.? And when I reflect on my career, I really am grateful to people who believed in me perhaps in I believed in even myself at that moment in time and opened up opportunities for me. I'm actually a first-generation college kid, grew up in tenement housing, lived in poverty, but my parents always really worked hard to ensure that I had the education that they did not have. And as I progressed from each of those roles that I played, my classroom teacher on up, even to the state superintendent in Ohio, I was always thinking about how do you navigate the waters that you find yourself in quite often? whether it's as a teacher and you're looking at what are policies at the district level or practices that I may or may not have either understood or have really had the background in. But each one of those experiences really helped me to understand at a deeper level and certainly a greater breadth of how your voice matters and how you approach all of the political churn that you find yourself in, no matter which administration is in office. And how do you navigate that and stay true to yourself? So for me, it was always one driving question, and that is, if, for example, if I went in to visit a school, I would always ask, is this school good enough for my own child? And if the answer to that question was a no, I really thought about policies and practices where I could have an influence and just kept thinking through how do you just go step by step by step along the way, but you can't give up on that hope that every school in America would be good enough for your own child. Deb, All for Ed advocates, as the organization likes to say, from the classroom to Congress. You're trying to advance policies and practices that get students ready for life after graduation. So can we start there? First of all, what do you mean when you talk about readiness? From your perspective, what does it mean for a high school student today to graduate ready for what comes next? And what are we seeing instead? So one of the things that's really critical for our work is to be sure that every student has access to opportunities that could advance their learning and be exposed to incredible teachers across our country, people who believe in all of the kids in front of them that they have a promising career ahead of them and can lead a productive life. So when we're talking about readiness, what we're really talking about is that students understand the possibilities in front of them and they gain the skills, knowledge, and dispositions to take that next step and give them hope that no matter their life circumstances into which they're born and which they find themselves living, that they have opportunities to continue on following their high school graduation and that the diploma means something. 
So one of our primary objectives is to ensure that kids understand that there's a licensure program before them and that they can excel in that. If they go into the military, that they can pass the requisite exams and tests to get into the military. If they are pursuing a post-secondary degree, whether it's at a two-year institution or a four-year institution, that they are not required to take a remediation course because they have, again, gained that knowledge and the content in order to succeed in those. Deb, Ryan and I are going to do something that we don't do for just anybody. We're going to pull out the podcast Uh magic (laughs) wand. We're giving you a magic wand. And you can pass any policies you want. So what would you do? In other words, what are the policy levers that in your mind could move the needle for students in a great big way? So I have several in my mind, but one of the ones we're really working diligently on at all for Ed is um, this whole issue of dual enrollment. I'm passionate about this because dual enrollment, as we all know, allows high school students to take college courses while they're still enrolled in high school. And they count for both high school and college credit. But we know from research that Those students who take dual enrollment classes enroll in colleges at a significantly higher rate than those who don't take them. And also, they're twice as likely to remain in school compared to those who enter college with no credit. So this is a game changer for so many students, particularly historically underserved students, namely low-income students and uh, students of color. And they're proven dual enrollment and even early college high schools have proven time and time again to be the catalyst for increased college access and success and preparing young people for the demands of a post-secondary education. And one of the policies I would enact is to allow Pell Grants to be used to expand dual enrollment programs for our young people from low-income families. Early college Pell Grants um, can be tailored to the needs of younger scholars and really be carefully designed to ensure that students are able to maximize these awards. And we have that age-old question students often ask, why do I have to learn this? But career pathways can assist in this answer. And we recognize that by tapping into kids' interests, we better serve all students. And we demonstrate a meaningful and engaging way to learn with a focus on their future. So gaining access to opportunities that prepare kids through an exploration of careers, engaging in mentorships and internships is absolutely so vital. And Deb, with those magic wand wishes dual enrollment and career pathways. You've talked about the work that you're doing, what you hope to realize. You know DC better than Ryan and I do. How realistic is it that we're going to see some of these changes in the coming years? I'm hoping from twofold, from both the federal and the state level. And I'm going to say first from the federal level. We've had some incredible conversations with folks on the Hill who make such laws and actually review the budget and place priorities on that budget. We also work with the U.S. Department of Education, both in terms of priorities and recognizing the importance of policies around career pathways as well as dual enrollment. Of course, it doesn't always yield the results that you want. So I recognize, having been a leader in both local and state venues, that we always can't rely on the federal government. So it's also important as we conduct work in states to ensure that states have policies and priorities around these two areas. And there are a lot of opportunities across the country and examples that are really working. So one of the things that we ensure at Offered is we share those practices that are taking place and making sure that people understand and can answer the question of what do we want our high school students to know and be able to do upon graduation from our high school or as a graduate from a high school from our state. 
Deb, All for Ed also leads a network called Future Ready Schools, which your organization launched in partnership with the U.S. Department of Education. Can you tell us about that network? What is a Future Ready School, and what is a Future Ready School striving to become? So our Future Ready Schools has been into about 3,500 school districts across the country, and really what it does is to help innovative educators ensure that each student graduates from high school with not just access to digital technology tools, but understands that that helps with their agency, their passion and skills to be a responsible citizen. What's really critical within this component, it really came to light during COVID, is the fact that nearly 17 million of Americans, 53 million children, are unplugged from instruction because their families lack home internet access. And so it's contributed to significant opportunity gaps, particularly for kids from marginalized communities. Beginning now back in the spring, I guess in 2020, and now with the Rescue Plan Act and other federal investments, we've worked really hard with the FCC, for example, to ensure that students have access, not just within their schools, but also in their community through community hubs, whether it's at the library, a community center, and certainly getting access within homes as well. And these really empower learning opportunities so that anytime, anywhere, learning becomes much more accessible to many more students across the country. Future Ready Network really focuses on leadership. So we actually help district teams to set a vision for the student outcomes and experiences that their community wants. And then we network those folks across the country to share promising practices. How do they ensure that educators, for example, have the skills and knowledge and disposition to create virtual learning environments or to create hybrid learning environments? These are especially important with lessons learned from the COVID experience when we actually ask teachers to turn around in 48 hours to a virtual learning environment. This is Greg Baer, along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Deb Delisle, President and CEO of the Alliance for Excellent Education. Deb, you've written a lot about linking learning landscapes that bring together teachers, families, mentors, community members, and more in service of children's learning. And that's obviously an idea that's near and dear to us in Pittsburgh, which was Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, and is today the home (laughs) of Remake Learning. And last year, you published what you called a call to service. Can you tell us about that? Who are you calling and why do we need them to serve? I'm calling all Americans to serve our communities. You know, I think in some locations, or at least it's in the back of our minds, we recognize that schools are the hub of the community. Everything that happens within those schools impacts the economy of the community, whether it's real estate or whether it's through economic development. And as a result of that, while we know that, I don't think we always act upon that. President Biden actually called for an State of the Union address. He called for Americans to step up, to step into schools to help. And I used that as an idea for the report or the op-ed that I gave out, which was, I believe that by Americans stepping up to assist in public schools across our country, that they demonstrate that schools are central to our future. And so when we access, for example, retired teachers or we access individuals in the community who can help with health issues related to students, when we access individuals to come in and tutor kids, we access individuals who can come and share their careers and the career pathways that they took, all of that creates such a robust structure within our schools and demonstrates that learning is not just restricted to the individual who's called the teacher or to that bricks and mortar kind of foundation. 
anything that tells kids that we value you as students in our community and that we want to provide mentorships and, and internship possibilities for all kids. And this is so vital, I think, to the heart of that community. And you'll keep hearing me stress that schools are central to our community. And I don't necessarily know that we act upon that belief. So that was my call to action. Deb, that call included what I thought was a really interesting proposal. You wrote that employers can demonstrate their commitment to America's youth by offering additional leave to workers, perhaps a few hours each week or a couple of days per month, to volunteer in schools. I love that idea. Is anybody doing that? And if so, what's been the effect? So we do it at all threads. Um, I know a variety of nonprofits in the D.C. area, ASDD did it as well when I was there, staff members go into a classroom, into a school and help with various issues, whether it's tutoring, whether it's reading to independently to children, whether it's just sitting and listening and sharing what career pathways they've taken. So nonprofits do it quite routinely. And there are places across the country where I have heard really exemplars from banks and other types of organizations, businesses that actually encourage their staff to go out and volunteer. It could be two hours a week and without having to take vacation time to do it. So I don't know that it's as widespread in terms of knowledge base. You know, it may be something for us to, at All for Ed to try to create a network of those individuals or organizations and businesses and lift up those stories that are so powerful to share so that people say, oh, we can do that as well. Deb, this idea of learning landscapes is especially important for adolescents, kids aged 14 to 24, whose brains are changing really rapidly. You've written that students within this range really need to experience learning outside of school. Why? Yeah. And where should they be going? I just think that we're recognizing that we need to create seamless transitions to the world after high school. And we've been engaged with the Link Learning Network, and that serves as an excellent resource because it brings high school careers and college together with hands-on learning. I first became acquainted with this when I was an assistant secretary at the U.S. Department of Education. And I went to visit some of the sites in California in which the Link Learning uh, Network was really robust. I was so in awe with students, many coming from really challenging environments in which they were just blossoming, sharing their experiences in the community. There are students who are going to biomedical research facilities or to health communities to study the impacts of environmental factories. I remember one student who was working on soil samples within their community, and this was a community which had many migrant workers in it. And the student was trying to figure out, was climate change going to result in any kind of changes for migrant workers and the potential jobs that they had? You mentioned it was so powerful. I just get so passionate about it because when you see kids' eyes light up, and they really find a purpose in learning and a purpose in connecting with outside community resources, and they see the benefits of what they're doing. They're actually putting what they've learned into practice, but the school supports them. And in many cases, these students are getting high school credit. So there are a lot of places across the country that are really looking into this now. I'm really excited about the fact that President Biden has proposed, I think it's about $200 million into career-connected high school initiatives about rethinking grades 11 to 14, because we know we can't just get kids through a system, say, here's your diploma, walk across the graduation stage, open up the door to the future and just plunk you there without providing tools and resources that are really so critical for kids to not just find hope for their future, 
but to know that they have the skills that are available to them to develop in which they can find themselves successful. Our country's future depends on our youth, the kids in our schools who are going to be productive citizens. So we have to invest in their future. We just have to. Deb, when we think about the kind of learning you just described, the kind of learning that really lights kids up, and what needs to happen in order to make that learning a reality for all students, policy changes, employers pitching in, creating these linked learning landscapes, and more, where does All for Ed come in? Can you give our listeners a sense of the kinds of things that your organization is doing to create that future for the nation's students? We work both with the U.S. Department of Education as well as with folks on the Hill to understand that financial resources and also other incentives to create innovative programs to ensure that local districts as well as state education agencies see the benefit of creating policies and practices that really build upon students' passions and taps into their talents and interests. So if there's a policy, for example, at a state level that would prohibit a dual enrollment credit or a credit earned while doing a mentorship, we have worked with state education agencies to change that policy so that school districts can realize and their students can benefit from the advantages of these linked learning experiences. Working with our friends and colleagues in career technical education to be sure that their lessons learned about hands-on learning can expand and enter into the traditional academic environments that we find ourselves and our students find themselves. So there's so many ways that we're trying to enact policies to ensure that practices follow along and that certain practices are allowed within those policies to advance learning for all kids. Deb, Brian and I record this podcast at SLB Radio in the basement of the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh. And if Ryan were to throw me his keys... We went outside, got our car, and drove two hours north. If we went the right way, we'd find ourselves in Cleveland, Ohio. And if we put in the right address into the navigation system, we might find ourselves at the Deborah S. Delisle Education Options Center. (laughs) That's right. You have a building named after you. I do. It's very humbling, very humbling. Well, what is this building? What happens there? And how did this come about? It was an incredible honor. So there had been in Cleveland Heights University High School District, which was probably the best experience I've ever had, and and an incredible team of individuals and students. It just was an incredible community. And we had a center there which did a variety of things, one of which was we had an opportunity for individuals to come and have parenting classes, everything from, you know, it could have been a high school student who had a child to adults in the community who wanted to learn more about enhancing their parenting skills. But primarily, it was a professional development center. And it was really focused in on the importance of providing professional learning opportunities to the teachers in our district and all staff, actually. And it now houses also a program in which students who are not successful at a comprehensive high school there, they have an opportunity to have hands-on learning experiences and one-on-one counseling with an incredible array of teachers. And really, it's a personalized learning environment so that those students who would potentially be a dropout or remove themselves from a a structured learning environment can now go and they gain the standards and the knowledge that are needed to graduate from high school. But they have really caring adults there who lead them through the processes necessary to finalize and earn a high school degree. And because it's personalized, students advance at their own level. 
and those students can graduate at a variety of times and earn their high school diploma. So I'm just incredibly proud that it bears my name, but more importantly is, you know, I'm a firm proponent that what we offer to our students tells them what it is that we value. And so as a result of that, I've lived with that mantra all my life, that when we give kids second chances, when we tell adults who are working with students we want to enhance your skills, we tell those folks that our schools are so central to the community. I'm going to add a PS onto this. And that P.S. is that this is probably going to be broadcast after the Super Bowl. That's right. But you probably recognize now it's the Kelsey brothers, one against the other. Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs and Jason Kelsey for the Eagles. They are both Cleveland Heights High School graduates and both in the Heights High Hall of Fame. How can people find out more about the Alliance for Excellent Education? Please visit our website, allfored.org, and that's A-L-L, the number four, ed.org. And you can join any one of the networks. We have a network for even library media specialists. So join us. We have sample templates of letters and policies that can be used. Hopefully you'll visit our website and join us in this great endeavor. Deb, before we go, we have just one more question for you, please. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I think the one thing is to believe and trust in one another and to gain that trust in one another and to view one another as partners on this journey. I really believe we have to offer hope to every student every day, no matter what. And so parents, family members, and educators have to be in partnership with offering hope. We have to find solutions when kids are not necessarily engaged. That takes a community of folks to do that. We have to offer resources. We have to be engaged. We have to meet family members where they're at. That may mean moving outside of the schools to register students, for example, having family connection nights outside of the school, and also create an engaging environment for our students, knowing that we have their backs. We're going to be the strongest advocates for them, and it's a partnership. We have to offer hope to every single kid. Thanks again to Deb Delisle president and CEO of the Alliance for Excellent Education, better known as All for Ed. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning. Learn more at remakelearning.org.